everyone, and welcome to our new episode of Rabbit Holes Podcast. I am one half of your hosting equation, Elise. And I'm the other half, Andy. Yay, and welcome back. Uh, we're happy to have you along with us uh, for another trip down these various rabbit holes that we find ourselves wandering through. So let's dive into it, and we'll see who's going to tell their story first. What do you want to do? Evens and odds? You want to be even or odd? I'll be even? Okay. So then you just like throw a random number of fingers up against your forehead, and then we count. And if the total is even, you go first. And if okay. it's odd, I go first. Okay? Okay. Okay. One, two, two, three. three. Yeah. So four and five, so it's nine. You said even? I did say even. So, so I'm even. odd, so I'm going first, and I'm odd in so many, so many ways. Yes, and I heard it. <laughs> and I apologize for our listeners, because that was painful. <laughs> also, visuals in a podcast with the audio, maybe we'll... We're working stuff out. We're Although they do that all the time on the James Bonding one. That was... This is true. Yeah. This is very true. So we're working out kinks. We'll get there. We'll totally get there. It'll be fine. So my story today is about a medical, physical situation that I've experienced a few times in my life. I don't know if you have ever heard of the phenomenon known as exploding head syndrome. No. Sounds real metal, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I know. It's not. It's not metal at all. So it's, it's, I've had it a few times. It happened in my life. Um, I haven't wanted to talk about it because, okay, so what happens is when you're falling asleep, um, you know how you'll have those dreams sometimes where you feel like you're falling and you'll like jolt awake? It's like that, but it's audio. So you hear like a, a big bang or a crash or an explosion of some kind. And it does the exact same thing. Your body has a fight or flight response and you just go, holy shit. And the heartbeat is just going like crazy and it wakes you out of sleep. I never wanted to talk about it because I felt it was one of those things where, hey, by the way, I'm hearing things would end in an asylum. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, the history of medicine with women who have quasi emotional mental has never been good. No. We always end up locked up somewhere it's still not great it's it's still not great it's not happy time so I haven't mentioned it a lot and then I saw this thing on Facebook which we should never trust anything we say on Facebook exercise some extreme caution extreme caution but it made sense and I looked it up and it, it all lined up and it's it's this thing called exploding head syndrome so I went online for this episode uh, to the American Sleep Association.org, and they define exploding head syndrome as a rare and relatively undocumented parasomnia event in which the subject experiences a loud bang similar to a bomb exploding, a gun going off, a clash of cymbals, or any other form of loud, indecipherable noise that seems to originate from outside the head. And I've experienced all of them, like the crashing cymbals or the explosion, like... I've heard these things. It is. It's very weird. And so I've always, I was always like convincing myself, like, I must have dreamt it. There must have been something happening. Did something. Yeah, exactly. Like you've always passed it off. So like I said, it happens like right as you're falling asleep and you're kind of entering into that kind of sleep world and you get that big jolt awake. It doesn't cause pain. It's just an auditory hallucination, for lack of a better term. Uh, the origin is unknown. Doctors don't know what causes it. I guess one of those special holdovers of like when we're falling out of a tree, like as we were evolving, same kind of thing. Uh, Women get it more often than men. And the normal onset is around 50 years old. 
Oh, you're 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 leaning heavy into the yeah, yeah, yeah. typical. So, but what I think it is is around fifty is when you get your uh, hormones out of whack with the menopause, right? Yeah, I sound ancient now with the menopause. <laughs> so when I was experiencing it, it was when I was going through puberty. So mm. I'm wondering if it has something to do with like your hormone. hormone levels being all over the map. Possible causes include a minor temporal lobe seizure. And oddly enough, I do have a history of seizures. When I was a baby, I had a couple of grand malls. Never experienced outside of infancy, but maybe there's something there. Uh, It could be a sudden shift in middle ear components. So again, like the falling, that has something to do with those little bones in your ears. That could be it too. Um, It often comes on during times of stress or anxiety, as all teenage years are. Just a mess of it. Or you could have a calcium imbalance, or it's just a general brain oopsie. <laughs> Did they actually say oopsie? No, that's my okay, that's, my interpretation. Of what the medical saying. journal saying oopsie. <laughs> you never know. Um, so for treatment, I guess if it gets bad enough um, and you have it often enough, uh, your doctor might put you on calcium blockers to get that calcium imbalance back in. Uh, that's also recommended that you practice improved sleep hygiene, which just means going to bed at a regular time, dark room, no I see hygiene and I think like rice, like it sounds dirtier than it really needs to be, but they call it sleep hygiene. Uh, and also sometimes just going on antidepressants will fix it. And I've been on those for years and years and years. So maybe that's also why I haven't experienced it in a really long time. So the American Sleep Association characterized that exploding head syndrome as a parasomnia event. And that's where my rabbit hole started because I wanted to go deeper into parasomnia events. And I wanted to know what else kind of falls into this category. So from sleepfoundation.org, the term parasomnia refers to all of the abnormal things that can happen to people while they sleep apart from sleep apnea because sleep apnea is a physical situation. Some examples are sleep-related eating disorders. So you get up and down a turkey in the middle of the night and don't remember it. Sleepwalking, nightmares, sleep paralysis, REM sleep behavior disorders, and sleep aggression, uh, which I experienced not too long ago. I was telling you about that. I had a dream where uh, a woman was in a car accident and a licky-loo got like really up into it and really wanted to see what was happening. And I woke up because I slap punched him in my dream, uh, but my fist connected with my bedside table. Yeah, not the the best. Also, the kitties must have really enjoyed that. Yeah, somebody got a big old bang awake. Like, like Wellington experience of floating head syndrome, but it really happened. <laughs> uh, and then the other kind of really famous big parasomnia event is sexomnia which, I mean, just has the coolest name ever, uh, but it's basically having sex in your sleep. Which, actually, I've heard before. Uh, people just getting it on with their partner, like, roll over and having no me- the, having no memory of it the next morning. Like, just yeah. being completely, I don't know what you're talking about. So. But yet, the sheets are damp. <laughs> I don't explain that. <laughs> um... So of that list, really the one that kind of struck me as interesting was this concept of sleep paralysis. Because that's frightening. Yes, right? It's, oh, anyway, we'll get into it. So when I started Google searching sleep paralysis, it auto-completed to what is the sleep paralysis demon? 
And I was like, hello. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yes. Um, so you sure shit, but better believe I clicked on that link in a big old hurry. Oddly enough, it led me to WebMD. Not oddly enough, because WebMD is a demon. Oh, no. It's trash. It once convinced me I had meningitis for two weeks. It turned out it was just the flu. <laughs> but I was, like, convinced I had meningitis. <laughs> also, I have, like, plantar fasciitis on one of my feet. Uh, WebMD tells me it's either that or <laughs> cancer. <laughs> well, that's it. WebMD is everything. It's like, it's either this completely benign or it's cancer. Yeah. It's their <laughs> default diagnosis. Yeah. Um... So WebMD, they're talking about the sleep paralysis. Uh, They say researchers believe it's caused by a disturbed rapid eye movement cycle because it happens most often when people are coming in or out of REM sleep. Um, During that stage, the brain normally paralyzes your muscles anyway so that you don't act out your dreams, which clearly I have a sleep paralysis issue if I'm (laughs) punching my bedside table. (laughs) Um, so during sleep paralysis, the sleeper is awake or half awake, but can't move. Oh my god, that would be terrifying. Oh, so scary. Um, between 20, this number is weird, between 25 and 50% of Americans report experiencing it at some point, sleep paralysis. That's, that's a really, really big gap between a quarter and half. Like, you either, you do or you don't, like, it's just, this is a weird yeah. stat to throw out there. Um, it's common in narcoleptics, because I guess if you're falling asleep everywhere and anywhere, the system's just not working like it's supposed to. And it happens frequently in times of stress when your sleep schedule gets messed up. So if you're jet lagged, you're both under stress physical and probably emotional to a certain degree because your yeah. system is, or your routine is all thrown off yeah. and then the system is thrown off too. So it can happen then. Um, the research shows that people all over the world have experienced um, sleep paralysis. And what really drew me to this kind of topic as a kid is the fact that so many of the stories are so similar to people waking up with like a woman or a demon that rep- is reported as looking the same sitting on their chest and like staring them down. And I'm like, okay, the fact that somebody in China, Sub-Saharan Africa, and North America all report the same phenomenon has to be real. And then I didn't sleep for a month and a half. (laughs) Was it on like Unsolved Mysteries? A show very much like that. (laughs) And I was like, I am not okay with this at all. (laughs) Um, So all over the world, people are reporting this. uh, And because... uh, humans are trash and we're always trying to explain stuff away. Um, the earliest reports and the earliest stories always laid it at the doorstep of demons, witches, or other supernatural characters. Um, because when you don't understand what hap- what's happening, the easiest way to explain it is magic. Witches! Yeah. So the actual line from WebMD, WebMD is that research shows that people in countries as diverse as China, East Africa, Mexico, Newfoundland, and the United States have experienced it. Uh, a, a Newfoundland isn't a country. It used to be. Yep. As, as, you know, a proud Until 1949. But uh, we're not really that diverse. We really white. <clears throat> you are. Uh, but Less white now, but you're pretty common, like... Oh, yeah. Like, ethnic diversity growing up in Newfoundland was if your great-grandmother was Dutch. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's still white. (laughs) Uh, So, way to go, WebMD. Uh, Newfoundland, not a country. Yeah. So, let's put those fancy doctor degrees to use. 
Uh, often the experience of sleep paralysis is accompanied by noises like loud buzzing. So again, like exploding head syndrome, uh, it's all kind of seems to be a big ball of mess of the same. People have experienced sensations of being dragged out of bed or flying. Oh, <laughs> or having difficulty breathing. So that's the thing where something's sitting on your chest face to face with you. Uh, some researchers think that sleep paralysis is what's really going on behind stories of alien abductions. Hmm. So your brain, rather than the sleep hag or a demon, just inserts tall gray here and calls it a day. And that's your alien abduction story. So how to avoid it? Don't nap, which we're already fucked. <laughs> I nap like a champ. Uh, sleep as much as possible. Don't sleep on your back. Uh, and if it keeps happening regularly, go have a sleep study done to see what's happening with the, the old thinker that's causing that to happen. So for an article called um, Paralysis and the Demon, I, there was not enough demon content in this discussion for me. So you looked for more. Oh, so I totally looked for more. Uh, I found a listicle on Thought Catalog uh, by Chrissy Stockton titled 15 People on Their Experience with the Sleep Paralysis Demon. So what I have is just a bunch of stories now from people about it. So be prepared to get really creeped out. Uh, one person says, I've never had any visual encounters, but when it happened the first time, I was lying on my left side and started to feel that pressure on my chest. When I realized I was paralyzed and started panicking, something whispered in my ear, just coming in to say goodnight. And that's when I felt like something was pushing me towards the edge of my bed. Terrifying shit. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how your brain interprets these things mm -hmm. that happen to you quite naturally. Right. Instead of it just being like, your meat sack went wrong, it's... Do you mean like, we look at, say, the computer, and when it goes wrong, we say, oh, technology, there must be a fix. But our brain is a giant computer that's not as sophisticated. Right. But can have many things going a little bit wrong at all the times. Right. It's just it's harder to reboot. Yeah. <laughs> or when your reboot cycle is where it's going wrong. Yes. How do you fix that? You can't turn it on and turn it off again. Well, you can, but at a certain point, that's just too much alcohol in your yeah, liver protests. <laughs> uh, another story from um, this uh, listicle on um, Thought Catalog. Never realized this is what I had experienced until I started looking around on this website. Worst experience I had was with a devil-like creature, red and black with huge teeth that sat on me. I felt like it was suffocating me. It just kept pushing on my chest and I was terrified. I couldn't move or scream. What made it really bad was after I got up, my husband woke up startled and told me something had been pressing on his chest trying to kill him. <laughs> what? Maybe lay off the booze, everybody. Maybe. I just think it's really creepy that two people have the same delusion of the exact same thing at the exact same time. Yes. So when you hear that story, you're like, maybe it is the devil or a demon. Maybe. Oof. Either way, uh, if I were that woman, I, I'm i just saying he's sleeping on the couch for like a, a solid week. And if there's no repeats, he can come back to bed. That's just... Or maybe she sleeps on the couch because he's maybe like... True. Maybe it's him drawing it to them. Um, this one's kind of a good one, which 
is weird, but okay. Uh, my mom once told me that when she was younger, her room lit up and a couple of men dressed in white and gold were sitting at the foot of her bed playing music. One had a guitar and the other some kind of wind instrument. My mom said that she felt such joy and peace that she didn't want them to go ever. But when she finally managed to move her head, she heard one say to the other, she is waking up, it's time for us to go. Then they vanished. So kind of good, less someone trying to murder you. Yes, less creepy. Right. Still someone watching a child sleep. Right. Well, while playing yeah. a wind instrument. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also to be responsive to your actions while you're sleeping. <laughs> Just please no. Please, please no. So these stories were all well and good, but none of them really touched on the crone or hag, which is that documentary I saw yeah. forever ago was about this crone hag that um, a lot of people experience seeing. So I headed over to Wikipedia, as you do, um, and I read what the article called The Night Hag. Um, and so they give some background on sleep paralysis, too. The original definition was codified by Samuel Johnson in um, his Dictionary of the English Language, which is considered the first English dictionary uh, from the 1800s. Uh, and the term, um, so it appeared in that dictionary under a nightmare, a term that evolved into our modern understanding of what a nightmare is. Uh, sleep paralysis at the time was widely considered the work of demons, but more specifically incubi, uh, which are thought to sit on the chest of sleepers. In Old English, the name for these beings, so the incubi or the demons, was a mare or a mare. So that's where we get our term nightmare from. Yeah. Uh, folk belief in Newfoundland, South Carolina, and Georgia describe the negative figure of the hag who leaves her physical body at night and sits on the chest of her victim. Uh, the victim will usually wake with a feeling of terror and have difficulty breathing because of the weight on their chest and is unable to move. So all of the description fits the sleep paralysis. Yeah. It's just this concept of a woman, an old hag sitting on your chest. But again, like anytime anything was slightly creepy, the first thing you do is you blame the old single lady at the end of the block who just happens to like her cats a bit too much. I feel afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I see where my life is going and I'm glad we live in the time we live in now. Um, in Fiji, the experience is interpreted as being eaten by a demon. Uh, in many cases, the demon of a recently dead relative will come back uh, to wrap up some unfinished business, or they've come to communicate some news. Um, they think this is what is happening. Like, as it's happening, you're being eaten because the person who's sleeping is often muttering um, in Fijian, eat, eat. So... That's creepy as fuck. Yeah. And that it's like reported widely enough that it's the, the understanding of it. Like they're having the same experiences. So they think they're being urged to eat uh, in an attempt to prolong the possession for a chance to converse with your dead relative or spirit and to seek answers for why they came back. So like, I'm sorry, but if you're going to sleep, visit me, like state your business and get the fuck out. Like I got to work in the morning. I find this whole thing creepy. <laughs> State your business and go. Uh, in Turkey, it's called Karabasan, and it's similar to the other stories of demonic visitations during sleep, uh, where a supernatural being, commonly known as the jinn, will come to your room, hold you down hard enough that you can't move, and they'll start to strangle you. Well, that's lovely. Yeah. So uh, I've always understood that the jinn was like the modern precursor for a genie. 
So this is not at all like Robin Williams and Aladdin, and I would like my money back from Disney for that because they lied to us. Like or Shimmer and Shine. Yeah, there you go. The whitest genies ever. Yes. Or like Sinbad in Kazam. No. Call back. <laughs> So yeah, um, that's what I found out about uh, these parasomniac um, phenomenon. Um, the fact that so many cultures experience the sleep hag or the sleep demon creepily fucks me out and I'm not okay with it. And I've heard if you have sleep paralysis, the way to stop it is like it, in your sleep is to like close your eyes and refuse to open your eyes in your sleep state. So it kind of reboots. I don't know. All I know is that if I ever experience it, I'm going to need like a solid week off work to recover from the sheer Grandma. emotional stress of it all. So yeah. <laughs> that is my rabbit hole. Wow. <laughs> Mine is uh, not quite that creepy. <laughs> so uh, mine is, uh, it starts with medical. Okay. So uh, I'm in physiotherapy for various things to do with my lady bits because I've had babies. And uh, so in talking with my amazing uh, physiotherapist named Kelsey, shout out, uh, we were laughing because um, I have pelvic floor tightness. So we were working in what is called the Douglas pouch. Okay. So then this brought me to... Only a male doctor would want... A lady bit named for himself. Nine female body parts named after men. God damn it. Fucking so, patriarchy. Because, you know, every man wants to be an every woman. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is a joke she made. <laughs> well, she's not wrong. So Douglas wanted to be an every woman for the end of time. So he named a body part after himself. So did you know? So we're going to name the nine places and I'm going to try not to fuck up these names because I don't know many of them. Uh, the fallopian tubes okay. are named after a 16th century Italian autonomist named Gabriel Filippo F-A-L-L-O-P-I-O okay. Hence the fallopian tubes. The G-spot is the Bermuda Triangle-esque part of the vagina that's existence has not been proven. Okay, no, it's not been proven by certain men. So this is the I Heart Guts article, which was written by, I don't know. <laughs> oh, maybe not. Oh, BBC Future, maybe? I, don't know. I Heart Guts, anyway. Um, um, named after a 1900s physician, Dr. Ernest G-A, sorry, G-R-A-F-E-N Berg. Gaffenberg. Okay. So I guess it's better to call it the G-spot than the Gaffenberg spot. Well, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, he might have named it, but women before him have found it. <laughs> uh, but at least we just called it the G-spurt. The G-spurt. The G-spot. Maybe <laughs> G-spurt. Who knows? Uh, the Skelks gland, S-K-E-N-E, Skelks gland, are located on the wall of the vagina and are named for Dr. Alexander Skelks a 19th century gynecologist. The gland was renamed the female prostate in 2002, thankfully. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, the sheer audacity. Okay, well, first off, I mean, let's talk about what it meant to be a gynecologist, the 18, what was it, 19th century? 
Uh, yes, 19th century gynecologist. Okay, that just meant some dude who was willing to look at a cooch. Like, as we found out in the Pee Wheel episode, that was not a commonly accepted practice. Yeah. So really, us ladies had glands in our utes named for a perv. <laughs> that, that's my reading of the situation. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is Barflin's glands, which helps lubricate the vagina and is oh, named after Bar- Casper. <laughs> Bartholin the Younger, <laughs> a Danish entomologist who wrote about their glands in the 1600s. 1600s. Entomology. What? Or entomologist? No. Entomologist. That's not. No, that's not what I meant to say. Now my brain is having a brain uh, A-N-A-T-O-M-I-S-T. Atomist. Atomist. Okay. You. Wow. Entomologists are bugs. And yeah, I know. if we're sorry. talking bugs up the hooch, that's another. Oh, it's a whole nother rabbit hole. <laughs> Gartner's ducks got their name from the Danish guy, Herman Thereschow Gartner. Mm-hmm. The gafferin follicle. Is Wait, the... what do the ducks do? I don't know. They didn't say. Ah. So it just got some ducks. <laughs> The gaffron's follicles is an ovarian follicle that secretes hormones that guides the menstrual cycle. So really, but this guy, so Rainier de Gaff, yet another Danish, named this part in the 1600s. And he also described the G-spot 300 years before Gaffenberg. So this dude was at least ahead of the times. Mrs. Rainier was a lucky lady. Yeah, it. she she was a lucky lady. Can I just say that the sheer audacity of finding the one thing that controls our menstrual cycle and naming it after yourself when you're a dude is the exact definition of white male privilege that uh, makes me so angry today. Uh, and we have not come very far since the 1600s. The pouch of Douglas, or Douglas's pouch, okay. is the area behind the uterus and, and in front of the rectum that was first described in the 1700s by a Scottish guy, hmm. Dr. James Douglas. You know what? I'll give him to that because um, I'm all for naming our taints after a guy. Uh, he was a, this guy, Dr. James Douglas, was served as a physician extraordinaire to Queen Charlotte. You know, there are not enough jobs happening anymore where extraordinaire is in your job title. And I'm going to have to talk to my boss about that. Yeah, I think I want to be the executive extraordinaire. Yeah, for executive. Sure. For sure. The, so, yeah, he was... Uh, so, at least, you know, he was working with Fancy Lady Cooch. Right. Queen Premium. James. Primo. Primo, Primo Lady Cooch. Primo Lady Cooch as opposed <laughs> to one of their Cooches. There is there a Cooch on a guy. The glands of Montgomery okay. uh, are the bumps on the areola. Men also have these too, but the glands are different features in women due to estrogen. They're named for an Irish obstetrician, William Featherstone Montgomery. You know... Who labeled them in the 1800s. Humanity had it real lucky before us. Because, I mean, I would just call them bumps on my boobs. <laughs> Some guy is like, you know, no, you know what? I'm gonna name him for myself, and then we just all went with it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> the hydrate of Morgani were our parable cysts in women, first described by an Italian, Giovanni Battista Montagai, in the 1700s. What do they do? 
Uh, they didn't say. Ah. So you may wonder why. Well, back in uh, autonomy's heyday, pretty much all doctors were men. So they were the first to write down the human body's many nooks and crannies. So even though women are 100% likely to be the first to learn about, say, I don't know, the G-spot. Right. Uh, then putting it down and giving it a name were up to men. Lots of unisex body parts are named after doctors and... and um, Lots of male parts are named after doctors. The cave of Renitsis, if you dare. Oh, no. Yes, we dare. We dare. <laughs> oh, it's a spot between the pubic. Oh, my God. Um, my Italian is really bad. Or my Latin, I should say. It's just a space. <laughs> it's just an empty space. Which is like See, this pretty. is what I'm saying. Like, some dude 300 years ago just wanted to name an empty space after himself, and we all just won with it. So, that being talked about, even um, the hymen is named after the Greek god of marriage. Right. Who, in Greek lore, died on his wedding night. You know, that's also not a great god of marriage. I'm just going to say. Well, you're never going to have problems in that That is marriage. true. That is true. He's not the god of divorce. I was thinking about the hymen not too long ago, and I got to wonder what evolutionary necessity that is a response to, other than the patriarchy. And if you're going to tell me that the body evolved to suit the patriarchy, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind, and it's not coming back. Oh, this one is. So there's some talk about renaming female body parts. Yeah, good luck with that. I like I I'm, I'm all up for um, this sort of stuff, but it's also a time. It's like it's like who cares? Did you know that your fallopian tubes was named after a dude? No, until now. <laughs> I just knew to curse them once every twenty eight days. Does it really matter that they nah. named after some dude? No, but there is. At least some... they're not like the tubes of Steve. If they were the tubes <laughs> of Steve, I'd Although, have a problem with it. Both my physiotherapist Kelsey and I were laughing that it should be dog like. Bob's pouch because that would be funnier. <laughs> I think it's the pouch that makes it funny. <laughs> so, like, why is Casper Balthing the younger attached to Libya? Um, but also, <laughs> that almost made water almost came out of my nose. So, I mean, probably because Mrs. the younger enjoys having him there. Yeah, I know because yeah, Mrs. the younger was probably a pretty happy lady because he discovered the G spot three hundred years before anybody Bingo. else trying to uh, did it. Uh, so, you know, there's lots of language questions now about how things are written and how that skews perception. So gendered jargon, um, you know, hysteria derives from the Greek word for uterus. And we all know the first, that was the first men mental disorder attributed to women. Because we had wandering wombs, ladies. Did you know that? <laughs> if you didn't put a baby in it soon enough after you were able to, and then frequently enough after that, your womb would just wander around your body, making you hysterical. As well as producing toxic fumes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you have to steam it out. <laughs> Steaming your cooch. Never do not do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, you know, there is lots of talk about changing the sort of uh, terms from, especially with medicine. So, you know, just war on cancer. It's battling heart disease. It's these masculine military metaphors. Um, dated confinement. Uh, incomplete cervix. Blighted ovum. Like, 
So a lot of language is either very violent or critical or very, very masculine. Even when doctors study, even now and today, it's the charts and stuff are all basically on the male form and it's only women. The, the female form is usually only mentioned when it's like, this is the differences or you're mm -hmm. talking about like the female versus male productive, reproductive organs. But if you're just talking about heart, well, it's, it's, um, right. It's, it's doesn't animal. matter what body it's in, but it's all the terminology is, 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 is masculine or male. Oh yes. So the word vagina, do you know where that comes from? No. It's the Latin for sheath. Okay. A close-fitting cover for the blade of a knife or sword. Well, sheath is not just for, like, a knife or a sword. It's anything that you put a something in, right? Yes. And uh, there's some talk about changing a sexist system. And both of us, you know, have talked about you're especially very vocal about your hatred of the patriarchy. Do you mm -hmm. believe, though, that, like... If you're studying as to be a doctor, does it really matter if you're talking about the heart in a masculine or feminine force? Except if you're talking about like the differences, say, for heart attacks. Right. But if you're just studying a heart. So I think the problem there is more systemic. Like I've been going through medical stuff, right? And the doctor had put me on uh, stuff for my blood pressure because it was too high. So she wanted to bring it down a bit. And then I had dizzy spells. And she had put me on other medication at the same time, too. And so I went in to see her and I said, look, I'm experiencing this. She thought it was one thing. I thought it was the blood pressure medicine. So I told her, I think it's the blood pressure medicine that's causing me to be lightheaded. She said, no, you've been on that too long. It's fine. And then went off, did other stuff with the other medication, came back a month later because I was still experiencing dizzy spells. And she looks at me and no joke goes, it might be the blood pressure medicine. Let's take you off that and see what happens came off of it, no dizzy spells ever since. So the studies are showing that women, when we go into the doctors, aren't believed. So especially if it's pain related, we're being told we're being hysterical or just we're overinflating it, or we're not being believed with our symptoms that we're reporting. And even though my doctor is a woman, she's of an age where she was trained by men. And so I think this whole blood pressure medication thing where, look, I've been in my body for 33 years. I've got a pretty good feel for what's going down on the daily in it. If I'm telling you I think this is the problem and you're telling me, no, it's not, then I think there's a problem with the system there. So regardless of whether I was a man or a woman, as a female doctor, she had been trained by men to pick up and I'm sure she would have picked up some of this. Yeah. Women don't. They're just the lady folk are a little Sensitive. excitable. <laughs> right? So just why I'm so down. happy with my doctor. I love my doctor. <laughs> Shout out to my doctor. So He's I don't think awesome. you have to have like a gendered approach to care beyond gender specific bits and bobs. But I, mean, I think there's a lot problem. of systemic issues with yeah. care. Women, uh, especially if you're a woman, if you're bigger, if you're smaller, then there's a lot of preconceived notions. If you have oh, yeah. pre-existing mental health conditions, then everything comes off of that. Oh, I can go in with a sore throat, and the first suggestion is I lose weight, and it'll fix the sore throat. Like, no. <laughs> Try again. What's number two on the list? <laughs> like, Well, I present with a lot of apes. Like, what are the a lot of the stuff I have, I'm atypical in what I have. So like my polycystic, I'm atypical. Right. Uh, usually when you have polycystic, you're bigger. Um, and there's a bunch of other things that's very typical to, and I have none of that. Mm -hmm. Like absolutely none of it. I didn't gain weight till I was, you know, not that I'm, I was always super skinny as a kid, 
but you know, hit my twenties and twenty five, and then but you know, my biggest weight gains were on fertility medication. Right. I'm gonna gain a shit ass load of weight. Um, but I'm atypical in everything, so I don't present as a normal patient of yeah. anything. But then, you know, there's been th- times where I've been shuttled. I had vaginismus for four or five years before someone went like, no, you don't need, just need to drink wine and get hammered before you have sex. <laughs> there's something actually wrong with you. Hey, uh, tip for the doctor listeners out there. Don't tell your patients just to get drunk to have sex. It's probably not what the problem is. No, it's probably not. <laughs> Especially if you've always enjoyed sex and all of a sudden you couldn't have it. Like, there's nothing more frustrating. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so it's it's an interesting... I don't know if renaming body parts, if anybody is you just call it the tubes to which your eggs flow down, right. if anybody's going to stop calling them the fallopian tubes. Right. Because nobody knows they're named after some dude anyway. And also, nobody knows that they have Douglas's pouch in them until you have a problem with it. Exactly. Now you know. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this rabbit hole through our medical history. Yes. <laughs> and how many parts of your lady bits are actually named after dudes? Fucking men. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little rabid in my feminism sometimes, as different from a feminazi. I'm just a, like a really big supporter of all women. I I also am. I also so, sometimes go, there's that's probably not like like this. Probably no need to rename body parts just because they're named after a guy. Right. Like we can't go back and put more lady doctors in the 1600s. Oh, I have a whole rant locked and loaded about that at any time. But... Let's just call a spade a spade and say that's what happened. This right. is what things, things are named. Somebody woke up, decided he wanted to name bumps on boobs after him, and we all just went with it. Yeah, because every man wants to be in every woman. Right. Or all over her boobs. Yeah. Whichever. But we can change the the experiences of women in healthcare moving forward. I just don't know if that changing the names of shit is going to help. Yeah, that seems a little... Rearranging the decks on the chairs on the Titanic. Yeah. It's still going to crash. Yeah. Bitch is going down. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Any other uh, rabbit hole? Nope. I think that's it. Good for today. Oh, sorry. The the Swedish activist calls for the English speakers to replace the sexist terms in their own language by renaming hymen with the new term vaginal cornea. No one's going to do that. No one's one's going to do that. Because A, it's so much longer, and B, it makes you think of your eye, and uh, ew, like, no. No. I don't want anything for my vag in my eye. That's just me. (laughs) Or my eye in my vag. Like, it's just, it is what it is. It's, they're too far apart on the body naturally to make that link. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, your hymen is made with the same type of skin as your lips. Ew. Which is different than the skin on the rest of your face. Well, there's a little extra details that I probably didn't need to get through my day. You're welcome. I didn't need to know about sleep paralysis, but here we are. (laughs) A touche. (laughs) So those are our trips down the rabbit hole for this week. Uh, We certainly hope that you enjoy it. Uh, If you're looking to connect with us, we have a website. It's up and running. Uh, It can be found at www.rabbitholespodcast.com. If you have any ideas that you want to send us, or if you're just looking to connect with us, you're more than welcome to send us an email. Uh, That email address is rabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Uh, if you just want to hit us up on social, uh, we have a Twitter at Rabbit Holes Pod. Uh, there's also a Facebook page for the show. And then we're on Instagram uh, with the handle at Rabbit Holes Podcast. Uh, come check us out. Look at some of the pictures. We're going to post a picture of our janky recording setup for today, which is like super hella janky. Uh, it'll probably change uh, in the future. Fingers crossed. We're going to get more professional about it. Uh, well, maybe. we'll see. Uh, it'll be in a boardroom and one of our offices. Yes. So it'll at least look more professional than where we are at the moment. Hey, my office is plenty professional looking. Because I hide a lot of stuff. Um, so, yeah. I don't have an office. I'm in a cubicle. <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, hit us up on social and our website. We also have Patreon. So, you can hit us up there. Show us how much you appreciate our wonderful weirdness. Because we appreciate your wonderful weirdness. We do. <laughs> we appreciate everybody's weirdness. Get your weird on, everybody. Uh, at patreon.com backslash, backslash, blah, 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 backslash rabbit holes podcast. Or connect via the support tab on the website. There's lots of fun stuff coming. Um, there's some extra content, some extra stories, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that can be found. And our levels are, are all named after famous bunny rabbits. Mm-hmm. Uh, our merch can be found at Redbubble. Uh, so you can either go to the merch tab on the website or go to redbubble.com/people/rabbitholespod. Absolutely. Uh, So just one last thing to remind you about. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. We'll see you next time, guys. Have a great day.